everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for being here with yeah, us today. Glad to be back. You write in your essay, your Prairie Doc essay this week, that not only is fall in the air, but it's also respiratory season. Yeah, I, you know, respiratory season, I, I wrote about that this time, this time around just because it really does correlate with which what we always see in medicine which is usually a busier season of illness um, in the winter months here in the northern hemisphere just because in the colder months we spend more time indoors we spread infectious diseases more easily in in this setting and so we tend to see you know in years past it's it's influenza and and some other viral diseases like rsv especially in children that tend to have really seasonal um onset and offset um, and that's generally here maybe october at earliest usually more like november till maybe march mm-hmm. so it's coming it's coming and we kind of we didn't really have it last year laura i mean the the it was so fascinating with every all the measures that we took to really focus on reducing spread of covid 19 which was obviously you know a unique thing in, right. in modern medicine we saw almost no influenza in South Dakota for sure, and nationally the same trend was true. And we also had a season in which we had hardly any pediatric cases of RSV, which typically mm-hmm. we're seeing kids in the hospital with RSV pretty regularly over the winter months. And you know, I there was I was um, I have a role at the uh, School of Medicine um, as well, and and one thing that kept coming up is that our students are not seeing the things that they're typically seeing in the hospital because we the case rates of things like RSV were so low that mm. wonderfully there were not right. you know, young people or and kids and infants hospitalized with RSV pneumonia last year. Yeah, um, so getting that training on, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. um, on very common, patients. typically very common right. things. We kind of, we missed it last year, which, right. you know, in, in the scheme of things is great. It means yeah, less yeah. sick people and probably less deaths from those causes. Right. Um, that, that's not going to be true this year. It's, you know, we, we've actually seen a lot of RSV oddly this summer as, as we've kind of opened back mm-hmm. up and, and. Um, kids have been in settings again where they're spreading illness. Um, so I think respiratory season is probably going to look more typical from that standpoint. And unfortunately, we're starting to see another surge in cases of COVID-19 to, on top of that. So mm-hmm. I think we need to prepare to have a respiratory season and and try to mitigate that as best we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this morning, our Prairie Doc topic is respiratory issues and mm-hmm. the lungs. So if our listeners have any questions about the lungs or respiratory season or RSV, influenza, COVID-19, any of those things or other lung-related issues or any medical questions at all, we love your questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430 
605-692-1430. And we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Academic success is an excellent indicator for the overall well-being of youth and a primary predictor and determinant of adult health outcomes. Leading national education organizations recognize the close relationship between health and education, as well as the need to foster health and well-being within the educational environment for all students. If you find your students struggling with classwork, seek help early. The school counselors may be able to direct you to a tutor to help the student stay on course. Also talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to have your student's health evaluated. There is a variety of issues that could be causing the poor grades, such as poor sleep or attention deficit disorder. Call today for an appointment, 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before the break, we were talking about how we are moving into respiratory season, um, and today's Prairie Doc topic is the lungs and the respiratory issues. Dr. Evans, you were mentioning uh, that last year, you know, we didn't have much for flu um, or RSV in the typical season. Mm-hmm. You know, I there's a lot of different information out there that people, and so some people say, well, but it's just the flu. They're just not testing for it, things like that. What do you say about that? I would say we probably did more evaluation and testing of cold and flu-like symptoms last year than in any year past, actually, Laura. I mean, partly because workplaces and schools were expecting that anyone who was sick was getting evaluated to make sure they weren't spreading COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would say we did more evaluation and not less of that. Whereas, I mean, two years ago, most of us, if we get cold symptoms, we probably just go to work and right. and just do, go about our business. Mm-hmm. And certainly most of us don't go into the clinic in those first three, five, seven days of those symptoms. Right. So I would say that's, that's probably the opposite is true. We probably actually tested and evaluated a, a much greater number of people with respiratory symptoms last year than any year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. is really fascinating. It sounds like the clinic's been very busy. It has. It, it has been crazy. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of people coming in with with respiratory issues. Yeah. Sometimes being COVID, but not yep. always. You're seeing, you are seeing RSV. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, as an internist, I don't see a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, but, but we are seeing a higher case rate of RSV for sure. I'm not aware that we've had a positive influenza in our community yet, mm-hmm. um, but we're starting to think about that. Um, we're seeing a lot of COVID again, unfortunately, as as is true most places in the United States. Um, but we, you know, for those reasons, you know, because rates of COVID are so high, I would really encourage people if you get cold symptoms before you go about your business and and are around people in a normal way in a, a way that would risk spreading something to others to think about coming in and at, at very at easiest just being tested for COVID-19. Um, unfortunately, it's out there. There's a, there's a, so you, you can't expect that you're not exposed if you're out in the world. It's, mm-hmm. po- it's a possibility. So, 
Yeah. And you have an option of either just calling to get a test right. or of seeing a provider. Is that yeah. true? At the Avera Clinic, um, you have the option of doing what we call curbside testing, which, uh, you know, we, we were doing true curbside testing last year. We've been actually testing people indoors, but it, it's without a clinic visit. Yeah. Um, and a nurse just swabs your nose and then you should get a result within 24 hours. Okay. Um, you have that option, or if you're feeling ill enough that you feel like you should be seen, then then you should be seen. The thing about curbside testing to know is that we you can't be tested for anything but COVID-19. So, okay. for example, if you're having just a sore throat, such that you wonder about strep throat, you would, that couldn't be done in curbside. You know, if you if you have a small child, probably want to bring them in to get listened to because, again, those are the people at, at highest risk of having problems from RSV, which we can also test for if it's appropriate. So mm-hmm. um, there's a little, you know, sometimes it it you can take a little advice on what the best route would be, whether it's in, at the curbside or in the clinic. Okay. Yeah. And um, my understanding is that test, if you do go into the clinic and see a provider, the test is one swab, but you can test for multiple things. Is that right? So if appropriate, so if we want to test for other viral diseases, so COVID-19, influenza, RSV, they're separate tests. So I I don't want, I think there's some misinformation that we might be misdiagnosing things like a case of RSV that we're calling COVID. That's absolutely not true. Okay. We're testing for the DNA, which is very specific, but you're right. It only takes a single swab and we can use that same um, culture media to, to send into these different tests. So it. it's not like extensive testing. It's a, and unlike, you know, early last year, it's not the swab way in the back of the nose and throat where we, you know, people felt like we were trying to poke them in the brain. It's really in the nostrils. It's really an easy one. Strep's different. We still got to swab your throat for a strep test. Oh, so I don't yeah. want people to have yep. any, <laughs> yes. any resi- you know, be right. surprised if they come right. in and get two different swabs. We still have to strep. do that back we in the do, throat. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's much worse than the nasal swab now. So right, right. I agree. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I always remember doing that as a kid. It was just not my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. So we should go in for testing. And then if we, if someone does test positive for COVID-19 and they're not doing so well, you know, one of our treatment options, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, so obviously someone who's test positive for COVID-19 can have a wide range of symptoms to very mild symptoms, or even sometimes we're testing people who don't have any symptoms, but had a close exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, even possibly no symptoms, but mild symptoms to very sick. And obviously we're still seeing people die from this disease, unfortunately. Um, one of the treatment options, um, for, you know, at least the last six to nine months has been something called monoclonal antibodies. Monoclonal antibodies are something that people are given by IV. We've, we've kind of restricted their use to high risk people. So people, and that's, that's varied. So I don't, I don't want to give the current guidance because sometimes it changes, People over a certain age or if they have what we call comorbidity, so maybe that means heart disease or diabetes or um, obesity or other diseases that would put them at higher risk of having severe disease. And if we give these monoclonal antibodies by IV, especially early in the course of illness, we can decrease the odds of severe disease and hospitalization. 
don't I don't want to overstate how effective these are. The the number is small. It's probably by not quite ten percent. Oh, okay. So it's not magic, right? And it's much less effective than being vaccinated at, okay. as far as reducing severe disease. But it's it it is it does have a, an effect. Okay. So we've do, done this a lot. I mean, it's it, we've had really easy access to it, especially in Brookings. Usually, we're able to give those within twenty four hours, but here's the deal. That's no longer true because we've had too many cases. Mm. Um, so over the last two months, just because case rates across the country have been so high, mm-hmm. our supply is becoming limited. Um, so there, we may see less easy access to that and longer wait times just because mm-hmm. every community, every hospital is getting less doses and we're seeing, unfortunately, more cases in our community. So um that's it's just a result of the the unfortunate state that we're in right now Laura. yeah the mm-hmm. high demand yeah 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 so mm-hmm. even and for that to be effect to be most effective it does need to be done like early yeah. on in your symptoms yeah, most and... effective in the first few days of symptoms okay um we had we no longer are able to give it after an exposure so someone who's very high risk someone like maybe who was an organ transplant recipient if yeah. they had a family member for example diagnosed with covid it was it was authorized for us to be able to give these monoclonal antibodies to them even if they hadn't been tested hadn't developed symptoms okay um with that's now off the table again sure. because of too short of supply and high of demand right now right so yeah gotcha mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess one more reason to be proactive yes. and yes, and I can't emphasize and... enough. I mean, these monoclonal antibodies are basically giving antibodies that have been artificially created um, okay. in a lab setting against these spike proteins against COVID nineteen. Okay. Yep. If you're vaccinated, yep. you probably already have those antibodies, and gotcha. you're going to have them sooner than a person getting an infusion. Mm-hmm. Um, much, much more effective and sensible and cheap and easy to get. Um, So a lot of reasons why vaccination beats monoclonal antibodies, though they have had their role and they probably have helped Mm -hmm. a fair number of people. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States. Unprotected skin can be damaged by the sun's UV rays in less than 15 minutes. Even if it's cool and cloudy, you still need protection. UV rays, not the temperature, do the damage. Anyone can get skin cancer, but some things put you at higher risk. The most common signs of skin cancer are changes on your skin, such as a new growth, a sore that doesn't heal, or a change in a mole. Tips to avoid skin cancer include stay in the shade, especially during the late morning through mid-afternoon, apply sunscreen and reapply every two hours, SPF of 30 or greater is recommended. Have your skin checked regularly and have it checked by a professional at your wellness checks. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Dr. Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We're talking today about how we are approaching respiratory season with um, COVID-19, influenza, and RSV all likely on the rise as yeah. we spend more time indoors, Dr. Evans was telling us. One of the ways to prevent illness is vaccines. Um, we've talked some about COVID-19 vaccines. Is there anything yeah. you'd want to add about COVID-19 vaccines? Yeah, so we're getting a lot of questions about what what some people might call booster or a third dose or maybe the second dose if you got the, the Johnson & Johnson version of the vaccine. And there's a lot of, I think we're going to get more guidelines and information even in the next few weeks, Laura. Um, So unfortunately, my patients that I'm seeing, I can't always answer their question definitively this week. Right now, the status quo is that a third dose of vaccine, if you got either the Moderna or Pfizer mRNA vaccines, are recommended for a small group of people and those people are patients who are immunosuppressed for one reason or another so it's either you have a condition a medical condition that makes you immunosuppressed something like a a blood cancer or um, some other immunodeficiency or you're on a medication which is probably more common a medication that um, alters your immune system so that might be someone who's getting chemotherapy for cancer it might be someone who is on immunosuppressive therapy for an autoimmune disease or or an organ transplant recipient that has to be on immunosuppression so that group of people we we expect they don't have as robust a response to a vaccination which is why they are the first ones that it's recommended to get a third dose and so we've we've given a fair number of those third doses to that group of people already um but if you are if you meet that criteria out there or you think you might it's worth asking your your medical provider if you qualify and if so considering getting the vaccine at a third dose probably primarily because we're seeing again we're just seeing really high rates right now so the risk has gone up considerably since june for example Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah everyone else the verdict is still out. So the okay. FDA is is reviewing data on basically how long are we seeing these immune markers last after people's second dose of the vaccine. Um, the, interestingly, everyone who is an expert in vaccine, vaccines and immunology probably said right up front, you know, it's not really ideal to give these two vaccines as close together as they were studied three and four weeks you know in childhood Mm -hmm. vaccinations for example Mm -hmm. we spread out for like the measles vaccines by more like 12 weeks or six months even because we know the immune system responds more strongly if you give that interval this was a unique situation because we needed it now um so Mm -hmm. that was part of the reason that these vaccines were studied in such close sequence but probably we're really going to see that we can improve people's long-lasting immunity by giving a, a, a booster dose or a third dose further out. So that's what they're reviewing. And again, I think we're probably going to see recommendations on that even within the month. There's a lot of review going on. Okay. There's a, a separate cohort of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which was the single-dose vaccine. Yep. Um, and I think we're going to see a recommendation on consideration of a second dose of that one, too, for people who got that vaccine. Okay. Doesn't mean that people that have gotten their vaccines and already in the spring are, you know, I, you don't have reason to think that you're at high risk. I mm-hmm. think we still have great data that we have lasting immunity, but it just may not last 
more than, you know, a, you know, a year out, we want people to have lasting immunity so that we can mitigate this disease long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as a reminder, like the, the point of the vaccine is to prevent serious illness, yes. right? And yes. so we might still get yep. COVID-19, we even if see. we've been vaccinated, right. um, but hopefully we won't get super sick. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, it's, it's a statistical um, population-wide goal here right to Mm -hmm. decrease the numbers and the numbers of people getting severely ill Mm -hmm. so we may see as we get higher numbers of people vaccinated which i hope is still in our future um that we still see sporadic cases of covid19 but it's not causing severe illness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we can still spread covid19 even if we've had our vaccine yeah i think Mm -hmm. we can we i think the degree to which you know how much less virus those people carry yep it that the specifics of that are hard to know for sure but certainly it so i'm fully vaccinated I, i got vaccinated as soon as i could but if I develop cold symptoms, I will be tested because mm-hmm. I s- still know that I could potentially spread it to other people, be it my family or my patients or whatever. So mm-hmm. if you've been vaccinated and you get symptoms that could be COVID, I think you re- still need to consider being tested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. As we consider other uh, vaccines that um, relate to the respiratory system, we obviously need to talk about the influenza vaccine. Yeah. Is it time? Yeah. I got mine. Um Last week. Okay. Yeah, I got mine last week, Laura. So flu shots are here. Um, We have them at the clinic. All the pharmacies are carrying them. As a general rule, in South Dakota, it's rare to see influenza before November. So as every year, I tell my patients, just make sure you get it by the end of October. You want to get it, you know, within a couple weeks before you have an exposure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my patients that are coming into clinic now, if they're people that might not cross paths with healthcare every month, you know, I say, well, now is better than yeah. a, a month from now if you might not get it a month from now. So sure. if you have the opportunity at your pharmacy or whatever, it, it, anytime's a good time. And it's okay to get our flu shots and our COVID-19 vaccine yes, we together? Can, yep. All, yes. You know, day? early on, we were recommending a gap between the COVID-19 vaccines and any other vaccine, mostly so that we could document side effects well okay. and accurately and yep. not mix up which vaccine might have caused certain side effects. Sure. We've collected you know, loads of data on that. So those restrictions are dropped. So okay. it's not too late to get your COVID vaccine. If, right. you, if you've been thinking about it, you've just not been sure. Maybe you're someone who kind of put it off and then case rates were so low this summer, you think you didn't need it. We It's back. So yeah. if you're thinking about it, you can come in, you can get your COVID vaccine and your flu shot at the same time when you see um, your physician or provider, it's safe. Okay. Okay. And then you mentioned one other um, respiratory virus or yeah. respiratory uh, vaccine we could get um, a bac- for bacterial pneumonia. Yeah. Tell me so, about that. I don't so know anything about that. Bacterial pneumonia or pneumococcal vaccine is something, this isn't recommended for everyone across the board. So, okay. And, you know, the recommendations are a little bit complicated depending on if you have other diseases. But in general, everyone 65 or over should have at least one pneumococcal vaccine, okay? And so this okay. protects bit against the most common bacteria that causes pneumonia that puts people in the hospital, separate from viruses. So, okay. you know, viruses are another common reason that cause pneumonia, but bacterial pneumonia. Um, and there, there are actually two different types of vaccines. So kind of your other risk factors may determine which or 
whether you it's recommended that you get both in sequence it's a little complicated and not worthy of going into sure. the details here but you can ask about bacterial pneumonia eight number one if you're 65 or older or number two if you have something like asthma copd um other your immunosuppressed like we kind of talked about before so people that are at higher risk of having pneumonia um, may qualify at a younger age got it okay yeah Mm -hmm. that's good to know i hadn't heard too much about that one yet so thank you for that info Mm -hmm. we will return following this informative message from the avera medical group If you have arthritis, participating in joint-friendly physical activity can improve your arthritis pain, function, mood, and quality of life. Joint-friendly physical activities are low-impact, which means that they put less stress on the body, reducing the risk of injury. Examples of joint-friendly activities include walking, biking, and swimming. Being physically active can also delay the onset of arthritis-related disabilities and help people with arthritis manage other chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to learn more about managing arthritis. Call for an appointment at 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here answering our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking all things respiratory, uh, COVID-19, RSV, influenza, all of those things, because our Prairie Doc topic this week is the lungs. Uh, Dr. Evans, tell us more about your television show you'll be hosting tomorrow evening. Yeah, so we have some great guests. I'm really excited for this show. We have Dr. Michael Pietala, who's a pulmonologist and critical care doctor from Yankton. He's been a guest on the show a large number of times, a great friend of the program. And then we have Dr. Dana Grosskreutz, another pulmonologist and critical care doctor from Avera and Sioux Falls, um, who is new to the show, but I think she's going to be fantastic. We'll have them in the studio. Um, these are experts. I mean, they have a wide array of expertise, um, in some common diseases. So they're, they're the go-to people for all lung diseases. So common things like asthma and COPD, but otherwise other also uncommon things. They're also our kind of our frontline intensive care doctors. So they are the people that have been in our ICUs over the last year and a half and have a great perspective to give from that. They also are sleep specialists. So most pulmonologists also take care of people with sleep apnea and sleep disorders. So some of these common things that viewers might have questions about, I think we will have a great show and I hope that we get some good questions. Yeah, as I was reviewing that, um, the sleep study thing is so interesting that um, our quality of sleep is really affected by what's happening with our lungs. I hadn't really put that together. Yeah, I mean, the most common sleep disorder is obstructive sleep apnea, which Uh is a disorder of breathing. Um, So it really crosses over with what our lung doctors do. The treatment is a machine called a CPAP, which is similar in some ways to a ventilator. Um, So there's a lot of crossover between common sleep disorders and, and lung medicine. Yep. Great. Looking forward to learning more watching that show. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. And as Dr. Evans was just telling us, tomorrow, September 23rd, she will be hosting with uh, Dr. Michael Pietala from Yankton Medical Center and Dr. Dana 
Grosskreutz from Avera Medical Group Pulmonology and Sleep Medicine in Sioux Falls. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.